When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Irie Harris. And we are looking ahead to Sunday against the New York Jets. We'll have our big preview pod coming on Friday morning. But for today, let's discuss the four things that have to be better for the Browns to win on Sunday. Now, the Browns should be able to beat the Jets on Sunday, but there are some things that if they go wrong, could maybe keep the door open a little bit for the Jets. So let's go over those things that need to get cleaned up. Mary Kay, why don't you lead us off? Well, I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett and this passing game. It has got to get better. Uh, Jacoby was only able to complete 18 of 34 passes, 147 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions for a 74 rating. He could not generate anything with some of his key guys, Amari Cooper, uh, David Njoku, David Bell. He really struggled to um, put the ball on the mark. And uh, he played against a very aggressive attacking defense in the Panthers, but he's going to have the same thing coming up against this Robert Sala, New York Jets defense. They're very stout in the back end. They're very, very tough up front. And it's, it's going to be another one of those potentially long afternoons for this passing game. Pressure scares me when it comes to Jacoby after watching that game on, on Sunday, Ashley, it just, he was seemed really slow to process or or just really slow to get the ball out. Um, there wasn't a lot of time to develop things down the field. I'm a little nervous if there's pressure on him, what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be this week that it, that it shows, or if it's a few weeks from now when they have to play Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. But I mean, he's, it, it seems like he's got to pick up the pace just a little bit. Yeah. And it seems like this has been something that we've noticed basically all spring and summer, especially when Deshaun Watson was still here before the suspension started, because it's like night and day watching him and his processing versus Jacoby and like all the RPO stuff they can run. And it just, it looks so different, uh, especially with those big time plays. I do think Jacoby kind of needs things to happen like fairly in in the short passing game and quickly he has to make those decisions because he does not, I think, like you're saying, do well uh, if the defense is collapsing in on him. He just can't process things quickly enough uh, when that's happening. So I think their toughest tests are definitely ahead of them in that regard, ahead of this like four game stretch in particular. Irene, what, what do you think Jacoby has to do better on Sunday? I think you got, <clears throat> I think you guys have pretty much read through them regarding um, his efficiency within the passing. I believe he was what, like 18 for 34 within passing, but there just wasn't really a sense of uh, getting his wide receivers or, I mean, specifically the tight ends involved, really. And Jogu, I really saw more blocking from him compared to actual targets being, being thrown to him. So it's really just getting a sense of, of your, your threats. Um, on the field involved but honestly aside from that I mean I'm not really going to give him 
too much flag. I feel, I feel like we've spoken so much when it, when it comes to Brissett, Brissett this, Brissett that, and, you know, matchups, narrative, you know, first 11 games. I mean, they, he, the quarterback of the, of the first win in, what, 18 seasons and dur- during the week one season opener was him. You got to give him some type of props for that. I'll worry about, you know, I, I'll give him a few games to just get, you know, get his act up or whatnot. And then after that, when it comes to the pulses and all that, then I'll super worry. But right now, you know, we're one to know. That thing, I, I think that that was what should be made most right now. But um, he'll be he'll be fine though. Okay, let's move on to our next uh, thing. Ashley, what do you have? Mine is also going to be offensive related, and it's something that Kevin Stefanski talked about today that goes beyond just Kobe Brice- Jacoby Brissett. Uh, which is that operationally, this offense has to be better. And I know I brought this up a few times, but especially early in that game, it just looked like guys weren't really gelling together. Again, they had to burn an early timeout, two or three plays in on the first drive. Um, Overall, I do think this offense has a ceiling, like a higher ceiling than what they're currently at. And that's a positive thing, but they have to fix those little things and, you know, who's supposed to be where and who's supposed to be on the field and what they're running, the play calls, all that sort of stuff. Um, in order to kind of improve maybe some of these things we're talking about with Jacoby. But I think this is just a product and Kevin Stefanski wouldn't go this far. But I mean, I think it's kind of a theory of ours that the fact that they really haven't been together too long. A lot of these key pieces were out during the preseason, including Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and a lot of the little Joe Batonio, um, some key, key guys. And I just think with Jacoby Brissett not getting control of this offense until like the second or third week of training camp, you're, you're kind of seeing it right now. So hopefully in Carolina, they got some of the kinks worked out, so to speak. Mary Kay, I think there's something interesting happening in this league. It's been going the last few years. And, and I feel like, I feel like things are maybe swinging back the other way in people's minds about the preseason, right? For a while, it was, you know, back in the day, it was you, you play in the preseason. You have to like everybody plays whatever it looks like. Everybody plays every game to some extent. And then, you know, it's swung to, well, no one's no one's going to play at all. Um, and now I feel like people are sort of coming back to this idea of like in the modern NFL, September sort of feels like the preseason now. And I think we see that more and more. And a lot of teams look at this, like I know Bill Belichick has always thought about it this way. The season really starts after Thanksgiving. Anyway, that's when the playoff race starts. How much do you think some of this Jacoby struggles, the operation issues, all of that just comes from the fact that the Browns are one of those teams that people don't, they don't play guys in the preseason. I think it does have something to do with it, especially in this case, because they have so many new pieces and parts. I mean, you've got a new quarterback, you've got a new center, you've got a new number one receiver, you have new other receivers, uh, you have a you had a new right tackle in this game. So, uh, you know, most of your guys on offense, many of your guys on offense were new to the operation. And I think it showed up in terms of the, uh, you know, the different situations and confusing little things that happened Uh, but they do have to get that cleaned up it was loud it was a hostile environment in this game on Sunday they won't have that working against them so I do think just from a a clean standpoint it will be better I read it seems like some of this might just end up getting fixed from 
simply time on task. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes time when it comes to these certain things. Uh, they'll be all right. There, there really isn't much of the, I mean, it's, it's the first game. It was a hostile environment. I mean, at the beginning regarding, you know, special, I mean, I remember the first play, I believe, well, not, not the first play, but it was sometime in the first quarter, right, where uh, Felton had fumbled and then I believe it was Herb Miller that went and then recovered it. And now that was just kind of a play that I don't want to see was representing of the coordinator, but it was just every representing of the atmosphere and just how it's feeling. And they'll be, we can give them, I think, a pass on the first game because just like I said, just like you said, when it compliments to you, what you said of sometimes somewhat being like the preseason, and that was more of a preseason type of, of move that we saw. So I'll, I'll give them some time on that. Um, and I'm not coaching, you know, my Carl could be the, you know, the solution to that, but I digress. Okay. Irie, what have you got? What needs to get cleaned up uh, here in week two? So the one thing I, I thought that I could get cleaned up a bit, just a bit, not not too much, I, I don't believe, but just a bit was uh, the defensive coverage. The reason for that is because the entire game, and at least we at first thought it, it would be that when it, uh, the, first, the first quarter ended and it was zero to zero, but it was a defensive slugfest. The Browns, they were doing what they had to do. They gave up seven by the end of the first half. All right, so be it. There is no reason. I don't care if Baker Meanfield does play up to his capabilities and is a starting quarterback doing that to your defense. There's no reason why there should have been any type of sense of letting that team back in the game. I mean, it, legit, every other point came within the fourth quarter alone. They end the first half with seven points. That didn't come until below two points beneath. And then all of a sudden we got – Baker Mayfield running. Why is Baker Mayfield running in for a touchdown? Is there no simple sense from the linebacker to come and stop that? He's not that fast, for crying out loud. Um, but there's just just a bit of cleanup. I mean, like I was said prior, Joe was is amongst the best corners in the game. Don't make, don't let me get started on his resume, but just clean up a bit within a secondary sense. Um, I, I, I give them props because they took DJ Moore out of the game. And that was really the top receiver that I'm sure that they were watching a lot of film on and definitely thinking quite a bit about just because he could spread the field and whatnot. And we weren't, I don't think even us were really expecting that type of performance from Christian McCaffrey, for example. And those are two guys that really have the ability to break down the defensive coverage and spread the field. But just, just the little thing is they're a little intangible so that but they'll clear up by the Jets. If anything, the Jazz game is where they, they go out there and make the mistakes they do because they're not that good of a team to be worried about like that, respectfully. So so here's the problem, though, and I think this is what the Browns, this is something that ha- has stood out. Some of the talk after this game was, well, it was you know, you take away two plays and the defense gave up X number of yards, and that's obviously true. But you also almost lost the game because of those two plays. And if Cade York that kick stays just a little bit right. And all of a sudden the Browns lose that game. Guess what we're talking about? Like what happened on that Robbie Anderson throw? What happened on that Ian Thomas catch and run? What happened on that Baker Mayfield touchdown run? So in a way, I think it's okay. If you look at it and say it was two big plays, we clean those up. Browns are fine. But at the same time, Mary Kay, those plays did happen. They did count. And they almost cost you a football game against oh, yeah. a team you should beat. 
Absolutely, 100%. I mean, you you cannot dismiss them. I mean, that, that's the name of the game. The margins are razor thin in the NFL, and it usually comes down to a couple of plays. So to have those two blown coverages and to then also have Christian McCaffrey picking up that fumble and running 28 yards with it, I mean, those three plays cannot be discounted. And, um, and you know, this team is going to try to do the same thing. Joe Flacco, who still has a good arm, is going to try to find those mistakes. And he's going to try to, you know, find Garrett Wilson in a mismatch against somebody or wide open or, or whatever the case may be. So, no, you can't, you can't say, oh, well, it was, you know, it was just, you know, three out of how many ever plays it was, you know, that was the difference in the game and it very nearly cost them. And the more we look back at Jacoby's, you know, non-flagged spike, they're really lucky. I mean, they are just really, really lucky that the officials helped them out there and picked up that flag because uh, they, you know, like we've said before, we could be talking about a whole different set of circumstances this week. Yeah, Ashley, it's, the way upsets happen in the NFL is basically just that, right? Like all it's going to take is eh, games maybe a little bit closer than you expected. And all of a sudden Garrett Wilson is running free in the secondary with a minute left in the game. Like that's, that's yeah. how you get upset. I do not want to see Doug's reaction if that happens <laughs> in our post game pod, but I'm sure our listeners do, but no, I mean, I basically, I think, made this point in the post-game podcast. Like, those two blown, de- the, what looked like blown defensive coverages, we would have been talking about those so much more. And it just looked like some miscommunication amongst the the defensive backs. I know Grant Delpit and JJ3 on the one. Um, but I do think these are, again, things that you need to fix despite winning. And you need to, you can't just, like, say, you can say, Yes, a win is a win. You can say all those things in the press conferences, but of course you have to clean up these things because they are going to matter when you play better teams or, you know, the Jets aren't necessarily a better team, but they have a really good rookie receiver that's going to be out there. So you don't want to get burned in those kind of games. Again, especially at this point in the season, when we've talked about how important these first four games are um, for as good as we think this defense is going to be, I think they really have to iron out those kind of miscommunications pretty quickly. Okay. Mine is special on, on the special team side. Obviously look, Cade York just won AFC special teams player of the week. So that side of things is great. I don't understand why this is so difficult for this team. Like, I don't understand why it's so difficult for them. Obviously, they signed Jakeem Grant and Jakeem Grant got hurt. That changes your plans. But I'm not even talking about finding, like, a guy who's the best returner in the game. I'm talking about catching the football. Like, again, if you're going to get upset on Sunday, it's going to be because you muff a punt and the Jets recover it and they get to start a drive at their 15 at the 15-yard line or something. Like, I... I fail to understand why the Browns have had so much trouble with this ever since Travis Benjamin left. Like it, I understand if you don't have a guy that can take it to the house every time he touches the ball, but Mary Kay, there's gotta be somebody. I know I read, I read has somebody in mind. We'll, we'll get to that, but Mary Kay, there has to be somebody that can just handle punt return duties or kick return duties, at least 
catch the football and get you a few yards on a return. Well, you would think so. I don't know what was going on with um, with Demetric Felton uh, in that game, but it seemed like he just his his head wasn't in in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, losing Jakeem Grant was a huge blow to this team. It really was. They thought they had that solved in the same way that they had their kicking game solved. Uh, so um, now is going to be just trial and error and trying to figure it out. They put Jerome Ford back there on kickoff returns and he did a nice job, came up with a 29 yard return. So good for him on that. But, uh, you know, they still have to get the punt return thing down and it was shaky. I mean, it was just absolutely shaky. And I think they should still keep looking. Now they went out and they, um, they acquired Charles Rogers and um, put him on their practice squad. So maybe, you know, these are some guys that maybe they're looking at as possible candidates uh, to generate some, some return yardage, but certainly you want that to be an asset, not a liability. Yeah, Ashley, it's been, I mean, that was, that was ugly. I mean, that, yeah. that was almost very costly on Sunday. And doesn't it feel, I, granted, I wasn't covering this team for the full season last year, but like, Demetric Felton like was a big part of the return game last year, but also wasn't like that spectacular and kind of had a few plays where there were mistakes made, right? Like, I mean, last year even. So I just think this losing Jakeem Grant was like a worst case scenario. And I don't know that Demetric Felton is the answer. Um, he's just not as elusive of a runner, I think, as Jakeem Grant is. So that's like part of the problem. And then obviously the whole being able to catch and hold on to the football thing is is huge I mean can't be that the importance of that can't really be overstated uh given the state of this return game so I I just like don't know because I like I'm like I don't know who else it's gonna be like I you know they've talked about the earnest and and maybe Donovan Peoples Jones but like Donovan hasn't really done anything in the return game here um the earnest I don't I don't know he didn't even he wasn't even active against the Panthers obviously we know so I just, I don't really have the answers for this. I'm at a loss. I wonder what Mike Prefer thinks. That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. And by the way, Jakeem Grant got hurt on August 10th. It's not like he got hurt last week. So they've had like a month to figure this thing out. Irie, you think the guy's in the building already. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm going to sound like a broken record. Two things. One, I thought special teams was Kay York's middle name. I just assumed that's what, you know, his middle name was up top just because of how he just pretty much covers the void for that. Nobody was talking special teams the way after and performance. But two, I realized I am tripping because I mentioned that earlier with um, regarding who I thought the guy was earlier at the wrong time. But since you bring it up, I can bring it up one more time. I am a Mark Harley Stan. So that's why I've, you know, people have heard me mention his name uh, multiple times. Is he the guy? I'm not sure. But honestly, at this point, it's pretty much a sense of, especially throughout the first two games, three of the first four games. So let's just say I'm not even going to include the Steelers because that's going to be a game they have to really worry about. But now Panthers, Jets, and Falcons, just try different guys out. And if it just so happened to, I would like to see Harley be one of them. Uh, this is somebody that has experience. Even if it was college, he still has experience of return of catching the ball and returning it. Number one, I just mentioned catching it. That's something that what that we did not see in the play prior on. So there's there's just a whole lot of cleaning up that has to be done. But uh, in the end, 
I think K orchestrates on we could all sleep peacefully on that Sunday night. So I'll leave it at that. All right, there we go. We're gonna take a quick break. I have two, maybe a third lightning round question for you guys uh, on the other side. These are kind of non-football related. So we'll uh, we'll hit those on the other side and then get out. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. All right, uh, we talked the hard football stuff. Now I'm gonna throw some softballs at you. <laughs> Brownie the Elf is the midfield logo. Here's my question. If you could choose any midfield logo for the Browns, what would it be? I have not pre- prepared any, have, any of it for this one. question. Go I, ahead. Have, I have a semi-joke one, but I'm going to save it for last. Oh, I've, um, but I've got I have, one too. I, I like the Brownie the Elf. I think the fans made the correct choice. And I know... I may be yelling into the void on this podcast by expressing that opinion, but I love the Brownie the Elf logo. It's iconic to me. Um, I've talked about it before. I That's like what my parents loved when I was growing up. So I just have been around it for so long. I think the fans made the right choice here and it's a great logo. Mary Kay, do you have one? I've, I've got one, but you have something that you would put in the middle of the field. I would go helmet. I, there's something that I like about the Browns simplicity, uh, the simplicity of their helmets, the simplicity of the way that they do things. There's certain old school things that I like. And I think I just would have gone helmet there. Irie, you're, I mean, you're new to all this. What would you put in the middle of the Browns field? I was really thinking like a picture of you know, like really the face of Brandon Whedon that's what I was thinking at first <laughs> you know I, I don't know why they didn't really consider that but no I I, I like the, the the logo I'm fine with I, I like when teams and franchises especially that have been around for so long um, you know but the longest I feel I always like it when they go back more so retro and uh yeah, I mean, why, why not have the logo up? Now, here's the thing, though. It's the fact that, and tell me if I'm wrong, the name of it is like Brownie, Brownie. I believe, or something in that sort. I just want to know how that name came about. Was some, were they eating brownies when, when they thought of the, you know, the name, ooh, Elf, and then thought, let's make that the logo? Like, is, is, that, is that what happened? They, didn't, they couldn't come up with no other name. So then they just said, we're eating brownies. So let's call it Brownie. But, we will. We will let you do uh, do research. We're not going to do history lessons on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not even qualified to do a history lesson on that one. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll let you we'll let you do your research on that one. I had a face too that I wanted to put on mine. I, I wrote this in our, our Football Insider newsletter. Um, I actually would put Tim Misney right <laughs> at the 50 yard line. <laughs> That's that, so good, Dan. Picture of him pointing. And as I wrote in the newsletter, what you basically be saying is if you cross this line, we're going to make you pay. That is amazing. <laughs> just Tim Misney right in the middle. That is great. Well, can, can we can I just throw my two cents in here? I'm trying to be very politically <laughs> correct about all of this. But does the does that cute little elf give <laughs> you the feeling that you better not cross midfield? He's practically doing the Heisman pose. Or this dude is going to like kick you in the shin as hard as he can. I mean, (laughs) right? I mean, he must stand at least 10 inches high (laughs) if he were real. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, 
I, I would, I wouldn't have liked a dog either, but I'd rather have like an angry, mean looking dog than a really cute. cute little, oh, it's cute. <laughs> but football's not cute. Football's not supposed to be cute. The elf is cute or whatever he is. He's cute. <laughs> Actually, what he is. You want to wear it on your shirt <laughs> or you want to wear it on your hat. That's fine. But could you imagine a mean and nasty football team deciding they're going to F you up by jumping up and down on top of your elf? They're going to hurt your little elf? Plant no. a flag on the elf. No, no. Yeah, planting your flag on the elf, <laughs> like right in the middle of his little nose, his cute cherubic little nose. You know what? You know what? I know. How about this, right? Somebody is going to do the equivalent of what Terrell Owens did with standing on the cop, the cowboy star, and just stand on Brownie with arms yeah. out and, and everything. Like that. That's what's gonna happen. That's gonna be their <laughs> yeah type of moment. I'm standing on, on, on Brownie. Look at me. I hate y'all type of thing. Ashley, you what was your yes, my joke was going to be that when you talk about the Cleveland Browns and stability. They should put Mary Kay on the center of the field. She's more stable than anyone who has come through this organization. When I think of the Cleveland Browns, I think of Mary Kay. Well, I'm scarier than an elf. I you, are. you are. <laughs> Especially for some of these players who don't like, you know, always doing podium interviews who are a bit shyer. So that I, might be. I, pr- I promise I'm, I I'm not, I'm not going to make a short joke here. I promise. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. What is the over what is the over under on kids that will dress like like brownie for Halloween? What what is the over under uh, on that? Two. <laughs> two. No, that's it. Scott used to have that scary Single. like stuffed that scary yeah. brownie. Yeah. Deal. That showed it to us. Now, if you put that thing in the middle of the field, now that would <laughs> yeah. scare the crap out of me. Yeah, that's all it was. (laughs) Yes. Okay, another complete non-football question, non-football field-related question. Um, Doug always likes to do questions like this, and we don't don't do it enough. I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I mentioned, I have told Ashley this, I have literally just started watching The the Sopranos, which, I mean, the show ended in, like, 2006 or whatever, and, like, I'm just now in, like, season five. Irie is losing his mind. I wanted to ask you guys this question. If you could pick one show and have your memory completely erased and you can watch it again for the first time, what show would you choose? Are you talking about like a, a series, a Netflix? A ser- yeah, well, it doesn't have to be like a net, just any show and any like series or show. So like not a movie, but any series, whether it was on, you know, streaming or on TV, whatever any show and you just have your memory erased, you don't remember anything from it and you get to watch it again for the first time, what would you choose? Hmm. Does anybody know right off the top of their head? I have to think about mine. I have to think about it too. I know. All right, go ahead, Irie. Ding, 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 ding. First of all, it's okay, but it, I, I wasn't, I promise I wasn't losing my mind. I'm glad that, <laughs> that you're that you're watching. It's, it's, be, be, it's better late than never. That's what matters. But uh exactly. Regarding my oh wait before I say my answer I did want to ask what season you are in right now I'm on five I'm like halfway I've slowed down oh. a little bit now that the season has started I've I've slowed you're, down a lot but you're right there at the end oh yeah. man and I know how oh. it ends like I, I already know the final don't say it don't yeah. spoil it for the people what have you got though 
Uh, so, so the one series that I, I've chosen is The Wire, which I believe is the number one show ever. Uh, I mean, wow. All the quotes, everything that really reflects just everything within the terms of urban America is, that's the one series I would be fine everything being erased and watching it again. I mean, the amount of Come at the King, Best Not Miss. What other series has seen anything of that sort or even close to? Like, don't get, nowhere else is anybody talking about, about the bar still or talking about corners. The Sopranos is not talking about taking corners. <laughs> but I digress. So, I, that that yes, was one That was one that I was thinking about. I, I, gave, I gave some okay. thought on that one. Um, Ashley or Mary Kay, do you have one? So I was actually, well, the, the Sopranos is one of my favorite shows. So, but I actually like, like rewatching that show and knowing what's happening, but I'm going to go, I think, I was thinking of two HBO shows and I think it's going to have to be a tie. I'm picking a drama and a comedy. Um, I'm going to go with Barry, which is kind of a dramedy, I guess now. And I'm going to go with Veep, which Barry is still on the air, but Every season of Barry is such a delightful surprise. There's always one episode where you're like, how did Bill Hader think of this? What is going on in his brain? Um, And Veep is just so funny. It truly is a show that I do actually feel like I'm seeing for the first time every time I watch it because the jokes come so fast. You always find something new. Like somebody says something that's kind of just a throwaway line or does something in the background. Um, I truly think it's one of their best comedies in, in recent years. So those are going to be my two. And Dan, I know you're a Barry fan as well. So I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am. That, that's a good one. I, you know, obviously every, I've said on here before, I, I love Breaking Bad, but I'm kind of like that. I'm kind of the same way with Breaking Bad that you are with The Sopranos. I like rewatching it and kind of knowing what's, I, so I, I don't know if I'd, I would want to watch it again for the first time just because it was so crazy, but like, I don't mind that I know what happens. I had a random one. It was Mad Men. Oh, that's a great one. Especially yeah. because if I remember right, doesn't the first episode, like we're way past the statute of limitations on spoilers <laughs> on Mad Men. Doesn't the first episode, like you meet Don Draper, but you don't realize he has a family until the end of that first episode. Like, wasn't, isn't that like the big twist, whatever. But the funny I, thing is, it's I think so that's part of why. It's been so long since I've watched Man, 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 Men. It is like I've forgotten the whole thing. So yeah. I can go back and be watching it for the first time, essentially. So I, I kind of started in the middle. So I, there was no big like twist that I got to experience after that first in that first episode. So I, th- I think I just for that reason, I would maybe say that. But um, yeah, Mary Kay, do you have one? You know, it would either be uh, The Sopranos. Uh, because they got me through COVID. I mean, that's, you know, that is what I did. I mean, it was me and Tony, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and all the guys, what are you going to do? But um, I loved all of them. It was like being with my family. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my father is hundred percent Italian. So I would go to our little family reunions and they would, you know, play bocce ball and, and that sort of thing. So it just uh, has a nostalgic feeling to me. Not a lot of guns in the family, but, you know, there were things that were close. Anyways, um, but I also loved Peaky Blinders. I just loved Peaky Blinders. I named my cat Shelby after Thomas Shelby. Um, 
yeah, I just, I loved it. So looking forward to the rest of it. I knew you were going to say Pinky Blinders. I was waiting. I'm like, she's going to get there eventually, even if she didn't think of it right away. <laughs> yeah. By order of the Pinky Blinders. Oh. <laughs> All right. There we go. Our Thursday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back Friday with our big preview of, uh, of the New York Jets. We've actually already recorded part of it. Uh, so we're already starting to put that together for you. Our big uh game preview that'll get you through your weekend and get you ready for the home opener in front of Brownie the Elf and 70,000 fans uh, on Sunday at First Energy Stadium. Uh, make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You can get that newsletter, uh, access to exclusive stories, and become one of our tech subscribers. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And leave us a five-star review. I'll tell you what, leave us a five-star review and tell us what show you would have your mind erased for to watch. And maybe, again, it's got to come with a five-star review. Maybe we'll, we'll read a couple on the podcast as well. Bon- bonus points if you pick the show Severance. And if you've seen Severance, you'll get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. Our Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and I, Rian Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.